Hi everyone, this is here and welcome back to the Super Combo Podcast. As usual, I'm joined by our co-host, Chris of Unix. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm a little tired today, but you know, we shrug that off. We keep going because uh, content creation is low-key kind of an endless grind, even when you make it, which I have not personally, <laughs> <You're> still <laughs> currently grinding on all fronts. So really, I'm just out here trying to become one of the best, if not the best content creator you can kind of tune in on for this game. I got a lot of stiff competition, so can't ever really sleep. I feel you there, but hey, I mean, as far as like consistent coverage of everything that's going on, I mean, you go hella in depth and you get right on it. So I, I'll tell you right now, rarely do am I able to get content, fresh content at two, three in the morning than uh, straight <laughs> out of your channel. So <laughs> hey, that feels pretty good. All right, you got it, you got it. Head inflated. Um, so yeah, so today, a pretty light episode on our shoulders. Uh, of course, you know, competitive season is kind of in a standstill until we get into uh, the next month where regionals kind of pick back up. So until then, we do still have the reveals of Ultimate Squad. So still that available. We got yellows. And then uh, turns out I missed a couple of questions last week. And then um, maybe just because I was a little bit more active on the Discord, we actually got many more questions this time around. So uh, active on the Discord? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I answer I answer my Discord questions. <laughs> hey, I have been I have been on it. That has been part of the new grind. I have actually been very active on my Discord. Alright, alright, alright. <laughs> so, with that said, kicking it off into the reveals. Last week we the entire week was basically dedicated to this entire Z Fighter archetype. And it's pretty expensive. There's a lot of cards. Um and I think that's what we were saying, where I do think yellow kind of got not equally um, given pieces where a majority of the cards were given to this unison swap deck. And then the Manekins, which we're starting to get this week, um, which is kind of weird. We're basically getting like two weeks of yellow um, is going to be probably smaller, although it is touching into the multicolor space, which means it has a little bit more room to be able to pull from cards there. Sir. So um, I'm also like, sh shout out to everyone who tuned in. First off, we did break a thousand downloads on the podcast across Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts and all that stuff. So that's super exciting. So thank you, everyone. And if you're listening on YouTube, you can actually listen to this on your favorite podcasting app, if you would prefer. Um, but it also like became one of our most uh, listened to podcasts ever as far as like time sign uh, on YouTube. It's like over a K views. Um, so re people really picked up on the fact that I called this deck a meme. <laughs> hey look people really like that and it, it's funny because it can be viewed as a meme but i'm going to put it out here right now 70 75 of the people that are tuning to the screen will probably get scraped up by it if you want to sit next to me on on tap or at a table god forbid we meet someday it's just uh it's the the gohan unison is actually very very powerful like i have it's been quite a while since i felt a boss card feel that clean because it doesn't need deflect it's a unison um just the way the deck works it comes down and it's like the way the deck works and the way yellow works it counts your unisons blows up things through barrier in rest mode it's yellow your stuff's in rest mode i sneeze you scratch your balls and your cards all automatically rest for no energy so you're essentially just going to lose a board when that card resolves and it's just funny but you know what if y'all want to call it a meme that's absolutely fine it is a unison gimmick deck it's just that a lot of people wrote it off before even trying to see the full list or like testing it, which is just wild. And I don't know why the community does that. Like this is the same community that saw Son Goku, like the red Son Goku and went, 
that leader, Jank. And I'm like, it's a leader. There's a whole archetype that hasn't spoiled yet. <laughs> like, that, that leader, that leader, bad. I made a whole video just talking about its effects and what it could mean for the deck, just seeing what it does. No overall, meaning that it's going to burst hard. It might have other cards that burst. It didn't have other cards that burst other than 17, but things like that. I really went off about it. And when people were arguing with me about it, I remember being like, hey, yo, like, I'd rather them have a broken archetype or a good, solid archetype or even overtune archetype than a broken or overtuned leader because it is so much harder to moderate a leader. If, yeah. it, if the leader snapped, you got to either ban it or rot it. If a if an archetype is snapped in a couple places, you might need to semi limit it. You might need to ban one card. But it is so much better when the leader is not the, the card you cannot remove off the field or not draw. Like it's better when that card is not snapped. So I don't know. It just got me in a soft space when people were like. Oh, the deck is automatically stupid. I'm like, bro, it's shown five cards, and you have yet to sit down and actually. Half of you guys don't even read effects. Don't even at me. <laughs> I know when we sit down and a card that's been out for three months has to be picked up and looked at. Like, I know you don't read cards, so don't come at me <laughs> with this deck being good or bad until I've actually seen you either a comment on my deck breakdown video, because then I'll accept your opinion. If you want to look at that whole thing and be like, "Yeah, look, Chris, that's cool and all." draws a lot but that's trash i'd be like you know what you watch <laughs> respect i'll give you that but vegeta into piccolo is a plus two and if you do it off the leader effect that's a pot of greed for zero investment and um look pp hard that's all i gotta say so yeah uh thank you guys though for watching that's amazing like over a thousand views for this one it's crazy because we went to that podcast going man there's not as much stuff to talk about this week. <laughs> and for real every single time we jump in and hit the Dang, this is going to be our shortest podcast ever. <laughs> it just immediately becomes stupid. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So, I mean, so, funny enough <laughs> to a point where I think um, other content creators started using it as like a meme in the titles of their video, which like, hey, I mean, don't worry about it. I create the wave. And if y'all want to write on it, all the power to that. <laughs> there you go. So, um, but yeah, so I think here's the thing. I do think it's a gimmick deck, and I think, like, yes, while I do think the, don't get me wrong, the unison is actually incredibly strong, um, which, like, are you saying that we should unarada Zamasu? Question in the air. I, you know, which I, one? Oh, uh, heck no. No, 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 That's the whole point, though. The payoff deck is that busted unison, just let it go. <laughs> but um, the card is incredibly good, so, like, no taking away from that. But I do think the deck is again just a six out of ten shell that kind of just brings it together because yellow the rest of the yellow cards absolutely snapped. So um That's how yellow is which is fine at the, at the end of the day, that's just what yellow is and i will say they revealed the spr and it does seem like this is the gohan that's getting that gohan spr we saw tease at the front of the box and that car's hot so and it's super hot i will i will say right off the bat you don't even have to i mean please go by all means go to the video like it, comment, and if slash when George makes a R-Type 101, go like and, you know, just like comment on that. But I'm just saying the the deck, the main thing that holds it back is the RNG. Literally, it's a, it's a combo deck by nature. And so, you know, you could have unison cards on the top of your deck and just float through them with your leader effect and feel like this is one of the smoothest yellow decks you've played in a while. Or... You can have whiffs on the top of your deck, but be drawing into your unisons or having them come off of life, and you'll feel like it's very, very jank. And so it's one of those things where it's like the deck 
is held back by like designed variants. And that's always frustrating. It's like a UI Goku. Simple one card interactions, very, very strong. But there are times where you could hit a burst two, three times in a row and they're all your super combos. Or they're all the uh, Vegeta Resolver news you sided in for a matchup. Or they're all like that. You know what I mean? It's like variance that's built in by the designers. And you're just like, why did this have to be here? But um, that just kind of is how it is. There are some really fun interactions. Like, I will say, like, like having the Vegeta SR on the board and then swinging, taking cards from your life, looking at your top five, playing a Piccolo on top of it, Piccolo getting the empower for the draw and Vegeta giving you the draw from being sent from the unison to the drop. That's just like a plus three interaction for turning your leader sideways. And like, I drool over those things. Like, it just feels so good. I'm, a, I'm an old Yu-Gi-Oh player at my core. And so when I just start drawing three cards off of no cards used in hand. I just love it. I love it, love it. But um, there are some, there are some funny things. We might, we might have to, because this is such a meme, we might have to make a, a how-to. We might have to get some reps in. I'll probably build that deck for the funds just because the Gohan and Goku SPRs look so clean. Yeah, I mean the cards are incredible. Like you said, the, there's the Goku SPR too, and um, to bring it together, they got their own uh, their own little uh, SCR, uh, very similar in the vein <laughs> to <laughs> to uh, her own Z. Yo, and before we get into it, I just so it's called Oath of Z, and you got all the Z fighters there, and it's an extra card. And bro, Gohan got another super rare dog. Hey, yeah, see about that. Um. Yeah, that, that's the people seeker. Right? That's a collectible <laughs> card. And uh, to be honest, if I got one, I would probably just Logan Paul it and wear it around my neck. <laughs> but um, I mean, it's, it's like not anything like crazy special, but it is just really, really cool looking. Like that's an iconic moment. Like people are out there like, ah, oh, it's not good. I'm like, look, I'm not going to front. Like you guys may hate my opinion on this. I don't want good generic secret rare. Uh, this sound, that sounds really weird, but I don't like a homogeneous format. I don't like it when we're all using Pan or Kai because okay. it's just generically busted. I Like we talked about from the uh, mailbag last time, I want secret rares that make you have to choose between which color you play for which reasons. It's the same reason why I said that I thought certain cards should be leader-specific only. I thought Chompa should be red leader only. I thought Sensu should be blue leader only because I want you to look and be like, if Champa is my favorite card in the game, I guess I need to be playing red leaders to utilize Champa. I wanted that to be sort of a thing. So, no, the moment Oath of Z is just a black card doing the thing, I don't need it. I don't yeah. need it. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, it jumps right into the SCR. Like it's uh, for a lot of aspects in our card game at the moment. There's so much that's generically good that you it doesn't feel like you have to make a lot of concessions when picking a deck. Um, it, you know, if you, like you said, if you want to be a deck that has extra extension, then you can just add a bit of blue and then you have bean, right? Um, every deck outside of some, outside of blue, basically, and red, um, run any of like three different secret rares. Um, so, and they all do the same thing, right? So, uh, I will agree on that front that it makes a, that I do like more variety. And like you said, this is definitely the people secret rare. I mean, um, you know, the Z fighters probably being the, Biggest thing to have launched Dragon Ball to be the the massive IP it is today. So the card's hot. Um, the effect effectively allows you to kill a thing on board, depending on how many of the Z fighters you have in any area, and it draws two cards. I'd activate battle timing. Um, so 
odds are this won't be as accessible as Heroine's Lineage, so it won't be as cheap, but it'll kind of fulfill the same role of this is the secret rare I got, and it's, like, not the worst thing to have. Odds are, unless you're a very, like, specific type of deck, you're going to have one of these characters somewhere in your deck. <laughs> um, if you play it on me at an event, you have my permission to play Rock the Dragon from your phone at the table. <laughs> I will not. I will stand you. If people tell you to, like, to turn off, like, shut the fuck up! Like, I'll immediately stand you in your attempt to play Rock the Dragon while playing Oath of Z. Hey, there you go. But if it doesn't win game that turn, I'm just going to like turn it off and I won't throw your phone because that's disrespectful and like phones cost money, but I'll definitely like make fun of you on my turn report. <laughs> but you better win. You better play it. Rock the Dragon comes on and you, you put me in scoop phase that turn. Hey. Yo, so like, so before we move on from the secret rare, no cap, Gohan has the most secret rares now, right? Um... He's it's on Goku, weird. He's on Goku Jr. He's on the SS4, and now he's on Oath of Z. So he's the most represented secret rare character. You must be ec- ecstatic, right? Uh, not quite. See, <laughs> if uh, if secret rare appearances are like KDAs, Gohan has the most A's. Gohan has the, <laughs> he has the most assists. <laughs> the most assists on the map. Um, and that that's where that that's where that's going from. You know, <laughs> just simply the most assists. Um. Yeah, I mean, Assist King Gohan. One day, one day we'll get one. I mean, chances are we could be getting one very soon. Well, the movie, um, right? So it'd be wild. It'd be wild if he didn't get a secret rare coming in from his own movie. Yeah, like I fully expect there to be like a Gohan Pan Piccolo secret rare. Um, the question is what color it's going to be in. It's kind of weird because like if I had to peg it, uh, black keeps getting secret rares, and they're not going to put it in black, I don't think. Um, red is too hot with Vegeta. Uh, I can't imagine them printing a card outside of Vegeta. Um, I can really see it being blue or uh, or green. The thing is, with green, you need a deck that's actually good enough to want to play green. But if they make it for blue, of course, you're not going to play it over hatch unless they start making blue even better at defending itself and. I think we kind of talked about that last time, and I was like, you need to have blue have effects that are maybe not as good, but comparable to Hatch outside of Hatch for us to stop playing Hatch as the de facto secret rare. And then on top of that, you would need to create a card that actually did shit in the secret rare slide. So all in all, it's a whole lot to kind of take in, but I think a a blue or green would probably be its home. I just got to see which color is going to house it. Um... I think that could be done, but it's kind of wild because we're in a position where Gohan could actually nab a few secret rare slots. Like it is actually astounding that we have not had a father son Kamehameha secret rare, like Dude. with Goku in the background, just like kind of like the art that they did on the leader. And every time they revisit this saga and don't do it, it's just weird for me because in my head, that just means that we're revisiting the saga in the future. It's one of the most iconic sagas of the entire series. And every time we don't get a Gohan, Goku, Kamehameha secret rare, I'm just like, great. Sometime in the future, we're going back to this saga. Because there's no way they just end this game without giving that as a secret rare. Um, as for other secret rares, I'm trying to think of the cards we've got as ultimate. Like, because I'm just, let me see this real quick. Um, Dragon Ball Super Card Game Card List. 
because you type in Dragon Ball Super Card Game and like a jillion links come up, and I'm not really, I'm not really <laughs> trying to mess with that. We're going straight to the source, even straight if it causes me to type, even if it causes me to type for like 0.5 more seconds, straight to the source. <laughs> um, when you go look up Ultimate, right? I'm just gonna do a quick rattle off of cars that deserve it and don't deserve it. Uh, SSB Vegito, was he one of the coolest moments, coolest new moments to happen in um? In Dragon Ball Super, yeah, but at that point they could have put Kaioken, SSB Kaioken is a secret rare because I think that was the first iconic Dragon Ball Super exclusive moment. But I'm not sure if SSB Vegeta, like he kind of, I guess he deserves it. Um, SS4 Goku, definitely the he holds GT on his entire back. Uh, outside yeah. of Gogeta, it's really Gogeta and him. Sorry, Vegeta, but it's really you plus Goku and Goku. So yeah, this guy deserved it. Um, Goku Jr., hell no. <laughs> if Goku Jr. got a secret rare, if Goku Jr. in his dog water movie got a secret rare, then Gohan, after he got the Elder Kai drip and showed up to Earth with the intent of putting Majin Buu's head up his anus, should it could be in a secret rare slot. I like. I, I think the intent with Goku Jr. was just the fact that he's the latest descendant. So that's... I think it was more of a thematic thing than a... Cause like I didn't even know one. I never watched the movie, so I didn't even know who the hell Goku Junior was until they Bro, came out with so the card. <laughs> it was so bad. Like this homie, homie, literally turned Super Saiyan because bullies were trying to take his lunch money. Like it was such a, that's essentially it. Uh, it was it was it was not a good movie, but I see what you're saying there. It's like the culmination. They were doing Goku's lineage, and he's like the 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 end stop of that. But um, it's just there are more moments, you know, like uh, Beyond Darkness Demigra. We were still not even really into heroes at that point. Uh, Super Saiyan 3 Gogeta, once again, they just cash in on fusions, go burr. Um, Ultimate Agent of Destruction. This is two. They were like, you know what? Super Saiyan 3 and Broly go burr. Uh, <laughs> nobody wanted Bobbity Absorbed Majin Buu. Like, not a single soul. If you do, comment. Like the video and comment. Tell me that I was wrong, but nobody wanted. Like you can't tell me nine times out of ten, an ultimate Gohan secret rare wouldn't have sold better than a freaking arcane absorption module. Like get out. Um, SS three scramble. Okay, you have SS three Broly, you have SS three Vegeta, but then you memed it up by putting SS three Raditz on there. And I'm not gonna try to hate hate because I think Raditz is a massively untapped part of the series. Yeah. He, he came down, he clapped the main character effortlessly, plus Piccolo. Like, as far as I'm concerned, anything Goku could do, there's a potential. There's a world where Raditz could have done better. Like, what if Raditz is in hell smoking everybody that Goku and his friends send there to maintain supremacy in hell? And we just randomly have this stacked Raditz coming back or getting wished back to life being like, hey, yo, bro. Um, what, Pata Power of Patara? That's, that's okay. It was kind of one of those team-up things, too. They had to team up something opposite to the Super Saiyan 3 scramble. Um, baby Janemba, get out! Like, <laughs> yeah, I did, uh, yeah, uh, once again. <laughs> well, I mean, the, and the worst part being that that's a theme that they're like, "Yo, this uh, this baby absorption is kind of hot. This is, maybe we should keep doing it." <laughs> yeah, man. Just did it over and over again. <laughs> I'm just like, absolutely not. Like, I'm like, again, it's it's one more time. I'm like, who asked for this? Not me. I'll tell you what, not <laughs> me. So yeah, it's just kind of like there are so many opportunities for them to put really cool SCRs or SCRs that mean something to us. It's cool that SS4 Vegeta got one. Um, negative Dragon Balls, okay, whatever. Smoke Dragon, 
it deserved a card, but did it deserve an SER? Apex, 100%. Cell Zeno, I'm going to take off my bias glasses. Cell Zeno got carried by its effect. It could have been any character. That could have, Cell Zeno could have been an SS2 Gohan secret rare, and nobody would have complained about that. Dude, it could have been Shotgun Farmer for all we know. Like, like, it, yeah. like, like the, the effect, the character itself didn't really matter on the card. I don't think anyone bought this card till it was like, damn, I love this huge ass bug. Yeah, there's this giant cicada <laughs> roach. Like, it's just, yeah, you're looking at that. Uh, Primal Ape, lol. Okay. Uh, SS3 Gotenks, a lol. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, they, they put SS4 Gogeta, and the card literally sold off of character alone because we all know that card wasn't good. That card literally says, play this card, stop playing the game. This <laughs> is like, excuse me. Um, <laughs> SS4 Broly, once again, they cashed in on Broly and SS4. It was a shameless money grab. Hatch, once again, Nobody cared about the character. You could have made Hatch Android 17 putting up a barrier in the TOP, and uh, it probably would have been more been thematic. It would have been, been way more thematic. Universal on the line, Android 17. Like, it just would have been like that. Uh, like, so we have fucking PyCon. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wanted him normally. Nobody <laughs> wanted PyCon normally. Why do we have Super PyCon, bro? Like he wasn't. Oh my god! Hey, it's man, just so bad. There, there. I know a couple of people who were like, "Yo, it was about time PyCon came out." And then his deck sucked and his SER sucked. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're. I mean, it's just. It's. It's fair. It's just kind of like these are the type of things where I'm just like, it's weird to know where they're headed with certain things because there are so many points that just could have been different. Like, yes, uh, Super Saiyan Two Gohan and an ultimate Gohan. Um, hell, man, looking at some of these and just thinking about their effects, like I said, Super 17 could have been Baby Hatch. Um, you look at, where is this? I'm trying to see. You see, like, this Majin Buu incarnation of demonic evil that's going to, what was it, counter skill? It's a counterattack. Bro, this, I'm not going to front. This could have been a TN using the Tri-Beam, like, on Cell. And it just would have felt like it meant more to us. Than a Majin Buu incarnation of demonic evil. It's like you gotta play when you're playing a nostalgia-based game, you gotta play offset nostalgia. So sometimes adding in all these heroes characters kind of hurts because we don't care about them as a collective space. We don't have heroes here. Yeah. We want moments that we looked at and we're like, yeah, buddy. Like, give us give us a, a Frieza destroying planet Namek. Give us a uh, I mean. Shout outs to the VSA, but give us a Vegeta turning into a grade eight and make that the grade eight SCR. Like, who the, <laughs> hell, who the fuck cares about Bardock, dude? Like, Bardock, grade eight Bardock. Like, we like Bardock. Do we like grade eight Bardock? Who knows? We've never seen him before. Like, so, yeah. Gohan has, the whole point is, Gohan has a whole bunch of assists, but overall, we have so much more space for secret rares. And it's just a matter of time until I think they return to some of these. Yeah. Um. I, th I. So I think. Like their secret rare. I think there's two things with their secret rare slot where um there are a couple of slots in this game that are what if slots, um and you know as someone who grew up with Dragon Ball like I'll tell you all right now my ten year old ass would go on the internet and be like bro SSJ ten Goku and just see how fucking long his hair was and like it'd be white and shit and like <laughs> the metal one remember the metal one yeah, <laughs> the <bro>. metal Goku. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> so so i i think when it comes to um the color black specifically they do this a ton with black um which also because it's the hero's color um but they're also their secret rare slot where they can fulfill that childlike 
drive for like the what ifs and then like if someone opened this card like holy shit does like you know does okay it's really kind of tough because these actually are a lot of characters that we don't care about but <laughs> like, <laughs> holy you almost shit. opened your mouth and you were like wait we have baby Janimba <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know like holy shit SS4 Broly you know so I, I, I do think that's where kind of some of this comes together but I, I do think whereas right now I feel like it's a 70-30 on where it's like 70 what if slots and like 30 like old slots so like you know apex of power um ss4 goku ss4 gogeta um uh goku and frieza miraculous conclusion um i do think it should be a flip of about 30 percent like out of three secret rares if two of them could be like iconic to people who grew up with dragon because like here's the thing like like it or not dragon ball is an ip that don't get me wrong is massive but lives off of the millennial generation zoomers to my knowledge, don't care all that much about Dragon Ball. So, God. so just, it's just, just imagine a world where you like shit like Fortnite over Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah, I hey man, you you get you get to be Naruto and like Jutsu no gun down. Uh, oh my <laughs> God. Right, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. so, but like, no, like 100%. So it's just. I can't fathom it, but of course I was someone who grew up with Dragon Ball. So I do think the ratio is off though. I, I, I would imagine like for every three secret rares they have, because right now we're at a cadence where it's basically three every set, two of them are iconic moments. And then like one of them is like the one-off, like what if character, the, you know, the, the, the hero showcase or something like that. Um, yeah. Because I don't relate to a lot of these cards. Like, bro, I don't even know who the hell Robelu is. like, yeah, like- she hot, but like yeah, I was about to say like, like I'm finna about to bust, but I'm trying to play cards, dog. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finna bust, <laughs> no, like fuck, like dude, look, 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 look. I'll put it out right here once again. I don't care about Demigra. Why do I care about his secretary? Um, <laughs> I mean, that being said, once uh, once Demigra becomes like young and like he has his like kingly shit on, like I'm not gonna lie, that drip is hard. Dark King, wait, no, yeah, Dark King. Uh, oh, it's not even Demigra. That'd be Mechagabora. Never mind, Demigra's trash. <laughs> like nothing about him is redeemable. That dude, his hair, whack. His stance, whack. The way he's never on any good cards unless he's like you know a monster, whack. Like I just, it just, dude. Like ah oh, man. Yeah, so oh, man. we'll see. I mean, at the end of the day, there's still going to be those few iconic ones. And while they are fur and far, few and far in between, there's, and I will say one thing, like, don't get me wrong, I, I could care less that we have, that the masked Saiyan is a great ape. And like, obviously I have no relation to that character, but the card being a monkey means that we got the monkey memes after Worlds. And that was hilarious. So hey, it could have been Vegeta <laughs> and the VSA true, true. would have been the strongest group <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> Bro, if that was Vegeta with the power of all, like, instead of, like, just Bardock, oh, my God, they'd be unstoppable. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, yeah, that is in terms of the secret for the new set. Um, of course, we got a couple of more our unisons for the Sea Fighter deck and a couple of battle cards that work with the deck. Um, from, from, like, your, because, like, you test and, you, you know, your boy don't. Um, what would you say is the right ratio of unisons for the deck? Oh, for the yellow one? Yeah, for the yellow deck. Um, currently, 
in my testing, I have been running, um, I've been running 12 cyclable one drops, and then I run three Gohans. And essentially, like any deck, you kind of cut through the fat and play the ones that are good. And it's like Tien has, you know, effects, uh, Krillin has effects, but the thing they don't do, draw. So you end up using uh, four Vegeta. I, I mean, personally, I use four Vegeta. And I guess Matt Coombs' list was like the same as well. So when, when it came to the ratios on those, like, so you played four Gohan. But uh, four Vegeta, because that guy literally is able to, whenever he leaves the unison area, you draw a card. So whether he gets killed, whether you overlay on top of him, he draws a card. Then you have Piccolo, because when Piccolo comes into play with three, you draw a card. So when you overlay you know, uh, Vegeta into the grave, into the drop to play a Piccolo, you're just plus twoing. And that's either a plus one if you play the Piccolo from hand or plus two when it comes from deck. Um, and then Yamcha, because when Yamcha comes into play with its full overpower, or um, sorry, in power, he taps down two battle cards on your opponent's board. But he has a plus zero that can draw a card or a plus one that can give him 10k attack. So if he comes off the top of the deck, with his full empower, he's already at three markers, only two of them carry over, so you just plus one him. So basically, with those unisons, as long as Piccolo isn't the one coming down raw from your hand to the top of your deck, you're generally going to be going on to a plus two, or a plus uh, one to plus two interaction, depending on where the second unison comes from. So four, four, and four, and then three of the Gohan. Also, because of the Gohan being, um, the deck kind of has like two different kill window setups, because you can either have Gohan and Dragon Fist, or you can have Gohan and Gohan. Simply because the uh, the unison is a unison, so it's not very vulnerable to a lot of stuff in the game. He comes down with Empowered 3. So chances are, he's being played for 3. He's going up to 6 markers. On his first turn, 9 times out of 10, you're plus 1-ing him to 7. He's a 20k 7 marker unison. That is Vegeta or Kai, or he is not leaving the field. And then the following turn, you can minus 3 him, and he's a triple attack. That's 25k. And at this point, you can either turn up the heat by playing Dragon Fist on top of it, or in some cases, you tap three again, you play another Gohan, he goes back up to six markers, and then you minus three to swing three more times with the 25k unison. And by the way, your leader is now a 25k because he's been boosted twice. So, and that lasts until the end of your opponent's next turn. So double bean on your leader if you don't secure the kill that turn. Um... It leads to some really crazy, crazy turns because there have been some times where it's like, oh, we're in that game state where, you know, you're tapped, this is happening, that's happening. Bet, I am now going to minus three, swing you three times, play three, minus three, swing you three times, and then, you know, it's turn six, we're in the late game, so I'm going to tap three again for this Dragon Fist. And it's just like, wow, I've been swung on eight times for 25 this turn. That's kind of strong. Why am I not playing Red with Violent Race? So... That's the, that's the funny part. And even Tenacious doesn't really stop that. You can Tenacious somebody and still get swung on by that Gohan a gajillion times. So um, I think the correct ratio is, yeah, 4-4-4 four, 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 and then 3 of your boss card. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Um, turns out I don't read either. I didn't even know that the bean stuck until the end of your opponent's turn. That's kind of stupid. But <laughs> uh, I like playing red. So I'll have Violet Rays in my Invoker deck. And yes, you, won't be bo- you won't be board wiping me because I won't have battle cards on board, so it's fine. <laughs> well, you know what? That's fair. But, <laughs> but, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that's fair. There's nothing, there's actually no robot about that. That's just fair. 
But no, the I, I do say that the deck probably has more legs than people give it credit. And it's one of those decks where if you actually like scoff at it, but don't actually ever get some like play test session with it, that leg is a deck that you're going to get like smacked away from. So uh, I, anywhere, oh. yeah, just unison is just so hard to interact with. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, well, so unfortunately, these being 5Ks and 4Ks, you end up swinging on them all the time. <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> what you do with the deck. Now, granted, a lot of times there are four markers. Uh, outside of turn one, chances are there are four markers. And if you want to swing on my unison four different times, like I don't care if it is 4K, 5K, you've essentially saved me taking life. And so I'm not exactly the most mad about that. However, yeah, there are some there are some funny, funny parts to that. Um, it's kind of, it definitely is just a little weird, but it's... Ah, damn gimmicks, man. Like, it, it's so... <laughs> Sometimes you just get so excited and then you just kind of see where things... All I want to do is play this deck one time at an event and just face every single Black Hatch player at the event in, in succession. Because, like, Black Hatch would just see this leader and just cry. Like, they can't do anything to it. They literally get swung on three <laughs> to four times a turn and they can't <laughs> say no. Bruh, I'm telling you, Bandai was in a meeting for this set designer, like... All right, no one's playing with power. What do we do? Put it all. They said, they said, let's have let's have a night. Let's get some sake. Let's uh, let's play some decks. Oh, only from the new set? No, 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 no. We don't want to play just Realm of the Gods. Let's play uh, let's play from all the sets. And then just one tryhard came into the homie party with Black Hatch, and the designer was like, "Fuck it, I'm swinging with you." Spends the entire game like. Hey boss, could I get yellow this set? Ah, oh, strange. You said you never would. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care. Just give me yellow this set. <laughs> oh god. So yeah. So the archetype is pretty much complete at this point. Um, and then over the weekend we got some SPRs. So reminder, we did get the SS2 Broken Arm Command Maya, which looks fantastic. Uh, we Let's got go. we got Super Mira, which like man. Super Mira is an ugly character. <laughs> All right, love, love, love. it's literally the onesie. It's literally <laughs> the onesie. It really is, bro. Uh, like and it's crazy too, because the onesie looks like trash. <laughs> but what 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 can you do, man? It's it's a onesie. Yeah, I mean it is what it is, right? I mean, I think the purple boots don't be helping, but hey. Hey look, uh, purple boots fog, stop it. <laughs> um we got Toa and Heels. Pretty pogs with the perp with the perp. Oh, oh wait, sorry. Hey, yo. <laughs> we, got the, <laughs> we got the GT trio. I think that was expected by pretty much everybody, which is hot. So love to get some more GT love there. And then we got the the Goku negate. Um, it's a negate. Uh, it plays itself. Makes itself cheaper if you got unisons, spirit boost, and get to rest some cards and KOM and draw. So you know, what? more more. For some reason, yellow gets a plus no matter what it does type situations. Yeah, one of the most iconic, like, scenes in the entire thing. Once again. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. At least the, at least the SPRs kind of carry on that front. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty clean. It's, it's also kind of weird. Uh, I mean, the Goku is going to be a chase card no matter what. It could be good. It could be bad. If the card randomly becomes one of the best cards in the game, that, that, S, that, that SPR is just going to be worth so much money because it's just... It is iconic. However, um, well, they, I don't know that that mirror. Woof! I'm just saying that mirror is a little. That mirror is a little. As a card, it, it's actually just a really strong card. 
it's a token battery on its own. It's it's warping stuff and drawing off of cards that you're making for free. It's it's actually I'll just say from a structural standpoint, that card is actually everything I want a good generic unison to be. Like you put it in any black deck, right? And it's going to be making free combo power. And yes, the combo power is removable, but one of the things that black struggles with sometimes is defense. So you're making free combo. But on the same point, you can also plus one to remove something and draw one, which is beautiful. But at the same time, the last part that makes me so hype about it is that it legitimately operates on an even higher level in the deck it's supposed to be in. And I think that's actually like the best it could possibly be for me. I like cards that are good, but give you incentive to play it in a better space. Love that. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I think like from, from a like design standpoint, mechanically, the deck is, the cards are great. Um, it lives in a similar realm to the green Vegeta in that it's just, it, it does good stuff all of Warren, right? Um, and like you said, it incentivizes the play of its deck because it just runs so much smoother in there. So Heck huge. Yeah. So that was the weekend moving into the start of this week. We're still in yellow um, just because of how the reveals were spread out. So Namekians started to make their showcase. And before we get into the Namekian cards, <laughs> um, uh, I, I just like to remind how, uh, I, I believe it was last episode, or the episode before that, where Chris was talking about how Watch Bandai make this whole Namekian archetype. But because of the era in which this is in the show, the set <laughs> is just a dozen piccolos. <laughs> You know, real talk, we just got straight picklers, and I think that's going to be the trend. Like, I think I saw the future on that one. Like, we are actually just about to get an entire R-Type. I'm actually, um, after we get off the podcast tonight, I'm recording the, uh, I'm going to start, like, looking at some of it. Because normally, I'm not going to front. I'm, with my creative process, guys, I normally record the cards we have, and then I'll put on the same clothes, and I'll record. That's the move. That's the and move. I'll the rest of it because i don't have i'm not off on these mornings so i have to do this in a very very small amount of time and so i have to get kind of creative with it but uh, i was thinking when i do this when i do this um when i do this thumbnail i'm really just gonna find like nine assets of piccolo and i'm just gonna have them <laughs> in different orientations all over the page like that is exactly how i feel like doing this because it, it's about to be the piccolo show like if you like piccolo congratulations this is your moment you are about to every card you draw your boy every card you charge your boy like, damn you know we know your real father never been there for you dog step daddy about you every day of your life let's go oh my god so yeah, this is, so you know as usual, Chris be hitting 10 for 10 all the time. So this, you know, Namekian archetype is actually Piccolo.deck. So let's go. <laughs> yeah, boy. So we have the leader has an auto where you get to place one Namekian card from your hand under this card. When it attacks, you get to draw a card, then look at the top five cards top of your deck. Add up to one green or yellow Namekian card among them to your hand and shuffle your deck. So this deck will be green yellow by nature. When you is four less, or there are two or more cards under this card, which means uh, turn two awakens. If you're going second, turn three if you're going fourth, or you're going first. You may draw one card, switch up to one your energy active mode, and then you go down to five life. Then on the awaken end, permanent. When placing battle cards under other cards to pay skill for your, your 
Union Absorb Skills. You can use cards from under this card instead, which is kind of nice. It means that you can do a thing where you set up your Union Fusions early and you never actually neg for them. And then you go into Fuse into them. Uh, auto plays one Namekian card from your hand under this card, which means you can continue to keep doing this. And now you're just straight up drawing two cards. And activate battle once per turn. Place one card from under this card in its owner's drop area. This card gets 5k battle, 5k for the battle. And that can be done both on your turn and your opponent's turn, which is kind of nice. Um, uh, just a free 5k. So it gives a lot of utility to the cards under it. I will say it's a little bit weird that we they do reveal the leader that's supposed to combo well with Union Absorb. Um, and then we don't get a Union Absorb card. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of archetypes still there, especially since we're doing multicolor. So now we got the two multicolors. We got Piccolo fusing with Nail. And then alternatively, we got Piccolo fused with Kami. So you can kind of see the theme here, what they're going for. Uh, Piccolo yeah. being a 15k crit, permanent. Uh, and they both have this permanent where like, if it's about to be KO'd in battle, uh, you get to remove cards from under the cards to be able to prevent that from happening. The fusing with Nail has an activated battle where once per turn you get to switch it to rest mode. And then choose one of your opponent's battle cards when you cost a five or less in rest mode. KO it. If you KO a card, your opponent discards one card from their hand. And then the Kami's got a lot going on. It's critical, double strike. It can also evolve on a Piccolo or a Kami for yellow and two. And it's got the outer that wants to play. You get to choose up to two of your opponent's battle cards in rest mode, ignoring barrier and KO them. And those are the four cards we got. So my first thought, a little bit weird. We didn't get any Union Absorbs, but I mean, prominently, we'll probably end up seeing those within the next couple of days. But hey, uh, red, yellow, uh, green, yellow, pretty cool. And so far, Piccolo looks like he's gonna get a lot of love. So hey, there's that. I agree. Like, um, I think it's actually really cool to see this leader, and it's all—it's it's like one of the coolest like little things that we can. Ah, all right. So I have a couple things on this. One, it's awesome to see Piccolo from this saga get shined because this is the last saga in Dragon Ball to date. That Piccolo was like a threat. That Piccolo was actually like a dude. Like it's not like he was just sitting in the background. Oh, I've never felt such power before. Like no, like he's he was throwing hands with one of the premier villains to a standstill. And Hell's Own Grenade was still one of the hottest moments in Z. Like this bro just ha, you missed <laughs> Piccolo. Eat your bitch like and just <laughs> Hell's Own Grenade the dog shit out of him. Like it was so amazing. So. That was cool. I'm glad he's being shown love. But the other part about it, I don't want to read too much into it, but if these are yellow and green Namekians, I think it is extremely increases the possibility of a Piccolo leader in the following set for the movie being in green or yellow. Yeah. Because you're going to have that backwards compatibility with Namekian. Makes sense. Not the first time they've done it either. Yo. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, these are just like generically good cards. The leader looks interesting. I mean, it pluses really well, which is nice. Um, and it has some good consistency, we presume, with what's going to be with the deck. But otherwise, we've just seen good cards, right? Like, like Fuse with Kami and Fusing with Nail aren't going to make or break the deck. They're okay cards. Um, but pre predominantly, Fusing with Nail is going to be the card that we Union Fusion into, as well as Fuse with Kami. So... While these cards are decent, it'll just uh, really end up on how easy it is to get their Union Fusions into, uh, into play and how they work together with each other. So that, that'll kind of be the thing on our end to look, keep an eye on. But presumably, if you like Piccolo, while tangentially liking like 
one or two nails and one or two commies, this will probably be your deck because that deck will be consisting of those three characters and that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, I'm not trying to say his take was trash, but um, I don't know. Uh, fuse the comic, fuse the nail are clearly broken. Uh, best cards in the game. They're like the Exodia equivalent. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even finish that sentence. All right, you got it. Do as you will. So that is our reveal so far. Um, looking forward to seeing what the rest of Piccolo has. Um, I will say it, it kind of does kill the flow when we had a full week of yellow and now we're seeing more yellow. But it's got some multicolor in it. And, you know, maybe the fact that we're exploring so deeply into multicolor the set, right? Um, the super combos were the first example of that. Uh, then this archetype is an example of that, which means potentially a few more archetypes will be multicolor oriented, which is nice. I love my multicolors. So all of a sudden, this gives me renewed interest in the set that wasn't there before because I just love dabbling with multicolor. So the fact that that is making a, more of a harder return and it's not just kind of super combos to kind of be like, ah, oh, it's the last unison block set. Let's make a couple of super combos that interact with unisons on a more direct sense. I like this. I think it's cool. So uh, this, not for what it is, because like, don't get me wrong, I don't dislike it, um, but for uh, not for what it is thematically, but what it's proposing we might see for the rest of the set design could be very interesting so i'm looking forward to seeing kind of what the rest of the set is going to push now that we know that this is the kind of space they're open to experimenting uh, within the set itself a long time ago didn't they like legitimately say or hint somewhere that multicolored unisons could be a thing i'm fairly certain i mean like, like i'm not gonna lie it actually kind of blows my mind that we haven't gotten one yet like, to, to me, it seemed like such a natural progression. Like, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of broken things that would happen with multicolor unisons. Um, yes. Just, like, it's actually pretty nuts. But it, it seemed, it, it seemed <laughs> like the natural progression of unisons once we were out of the unison warrior block. And the fact that we have yet to actually get there, which, like, don't get me wrong, they can always come back, right? Like, the, like unisons are now a core part of the game. They don't need their own block for them to print more unison cards. But it did surprise nah. me that we didn't get a, a multicolor unison. On top of that, actually, you kind of brought it back to me thinking about it, right? Like, yes, it really is like a, okay, well, they don't have to do it now. But this could be like a return to Ravnica kind of deal. Like, whenever they decide, you know what? F it. We're going back to a unison-oriented block. That can be the first thing they drop in that set to draw people in multicolored unison. True. That's actually... Actually, in that case, with Zenkai boost coming in as a mechanic, I wouldn't even touch multi. If I was a company, I wouldn't even touch multicolored unisons because that is immediately the draw to ever going back to a unison warrior format. Well, unison warrior-esque block. Like, if they just said two years from now, or not, hold oh, oh, wait, that's some unison warrior type shit. Um, let's just say, like, five sets from now, they're like, okay, we're going to slide back into a alternative dimension warrior block and then we just get multicolored unisons right off the rip that would be that would be cool that would get me hyped a little bit yeah same and like it makes sense um that there is something that like when you're designing card games it's some people call it the it's this notion that you kind of don't want to just throw everything at the wall right away because those are things that like you were saying they could bring in whenever they want to rejuvenate or spice up um the game so uh, reprint equity is kind of one of those things, um, but also design space, right? Make sure to go too deep into one specific aspect as opposed to going too wide 
because then you leave yourself the opportunity to be able to bring those things in to reinvigorate the game. So like you said, multicolor uh, unisons are definitely one of those things. So they'll come back to it, right? Um, so it, on that front, there's a lot of design space still left, which is good because it means that there's a lot that the designers will have available to them when designing for this kind of stuff in the future. It, it, if they kind of just threw you know, the, the whole kitchen sink at the wall right off the rip, then it would keep them stuck for design space that felt refreshing. Um, and then we'd be like in the same space now, we're like, yo, I'm kind of getting tired of unisons, but without the benefit of at least having new mechanics introduced into unisons, that would kind of make them fresh and interesting. So while, while I thought it was the natural progression, I'm also not designing games and probably all for the better because I'd already have my invoker unison by now. Toxic. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I see some of us just want to see the world burn. Some of us just want an invoker unison in a deck that doesn't really need anything like that. And you know what some of us want? You know what some of us want? Some of us just want a damn card. In red U7 that has both Gohan and Piccolo on it, especially when they said the theme of that fucking deck was the bond between master and student. Where is the master? Oh, wait, he's on a single vanilla card. <laughs> that was such a huge fumble. Like, you can go to that commercial right now, and they literally, the bond between master and student. And then, like, you see, like, the silhouettes of Gohan and Piccolo, and they show up. <laughs> and they're literally in the position. Gohan's doing the Kamehameha, and Piccolo's doing special mechanic. It's their most iconic scene in the entire T.O.P. No representation in the entire set. We've gotten two different points of promo cards for Red U7. <laughs> Not in there either. I, I'm sickened. I'm literally sickened. <laughs> oh, God. So. <laughs> <laughs> those are the reveals. So let's see what comes out of the rest of the set for next week. With that, that was our main topic for today. Uh, Dragon Ball has been a little bit quiet recently, and we are still awaiting for the regional season coming into next week. But we have quite a bevy of questions. Um, so uh, we'll be jumping into those, especially since I did miss a couple last week. So we'll be jumping into the SC mailbag. And of course, guys, if you guys want your questions answered on air by myself and Chris, then feel free to tweet at me at TV with your, the hashtag SC mailbag or post your question over on the Discord in the SC mailbag category. And we'll go ahead and get back to you live on air. Now, scrolling all the way back up, starting with the first question. Uh, Neek asks, what is one archetype you feel should get some much needed or needed attention within the next few main sets? Personally, would like to see more Namekians or something revolving around bio Broly. I'm, I'm getting something. One second. It's, it's coming through my telepathy. You may not be disappointed with the next set. Don't at me though. (laughs) There might be even the next two sets. (laughs) Like, Especially if you have a hard on for one particular Namekian, bro. Do I have a do I have an archetype for you, buddy? <laughs> one, they're almost all the same. Two, there's only one Namekian you can really have a hard on for. Most of them are dead. I mean, so, yeah. uh, and even then, Kami's basically just like what Piccolo's twin brother. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much like half of Piccolo. So look, real in reality, your future looks bright. If you want that, your future looks bright. Um. 
Now, on the other hand, I don't know if you're new here. I don't know if you're a uh, frequent listener, but we have to address the elephant in the room. And that's that you wanted Bandai to devote any sort of time, attention, or money <laughs> to the train wreck that was BioWorld. Um, uh, look, you're, look you, you've actually just triggered one of the Spencer tangents. Broly is a really weird thing because he came in and he cashed in on the sand factor. Like we've had the sand factor happen in movies, you know, Turles, stuff like that. But we've never had the sand factor in terms of an opposing super sand until Broly showed up. So that was why Broly is one of the hugest things. Dude had barely any lines. Um, I like, like I'm going to be, I'm not going to front. He wasn't a good villain. Homie was on, a level okay he didn't talk his dad ushered him around like a dog and then just randomly he became super buff super sadistic and just started breaking ankles off in people's butts and that was just like his character there was no depth to it and then after running through the entire squad now mind you this entire squad is right after you can tell by the hair length of like trunks and gohan actually being a super saiyan the only time this could have happened is in the seven-week span between everybody getting out of the hyperbolic time chamber and them facing Cell. So Broly packed up a Super Saiyan Grade 2 Goku, Gohan, Vegeta, Trunks, and Super Namekian Piccolo. He literally packed up the entire team. And then somehow, through the magic of plot and convenient writing, Goku was able to take what was left over in the energy reserves of the team that just got packed up at full strength and one shot Broly with it. How that happened? I don't know. It literally doesn't make sense. Make it make sense. Literally in the comments, try to make it make sense. I'll laugh. And then what we have now is that same Broly floating through space and he somehow makes it to earth and falls into like a volcano or some ice. He falls in some ice. And he comes back and faces an adult Gohan, which by the time we're here, like, I know, like, people are like, okay, well, he he's weaker than he was when he fought Cell. But at the same time, like, Super Saiyan 2 was so far above Super Saiyan Grade 2. And we had a Gohan who, you know, in the world tournament, he saw Videl get the crap beat out of Raspopovich, and he instantaneously, well, it was kind of like a car that had problems with transmission, but he still hit Super Saiyan 2 against Kavito. But Trunks, his younger brother, and his girlfriend got dusted <laughs> by Broly, and he just stayed Super Saiyan 1 in the movie. <laughs> and then Broly, <laughs> the same Broly that got packed up by a tired-ass Goku, was somehow running Gohan, as an adult, I just, the, the whole movie made no sense. And then it, it ends with some very questionable family Kamehameha. And then you get to the star of your supposed archetype revival show. You get a mushy, old avocado looking ass Man, dropped this, on the floor. This shit's so early. This shit's so ugly. Then packed <laughs> up by two six year olds, Brilliant. <laughs> and it just. Like, he got, his power scaling is so questionable. <laughs> the story plot is so questionable. Like, like I just don't understand it. Like, Bio Broly was a movie that made no sense to me. But to be fair, the other movies barely made sense to me. It's just that the first Broly movie was cool. Like, 
in all honesty, and this isn't even because I'm a Gohan fan, the moment Broly was like, ah, Omega Blaster, and Gohan put up that dumbass shield that somehow didn't shield anything but himself, like, literally, he enti- his entire squad got folded behind his shield, he should have just, like, hulked out in Gohan fashion, gone Super Saiyan 2, and that should have been the end of Broly. But it's just, it, it was just so weird. Uh, I would personally not ever lose a wink of sleep, and I don't really get much sleep at all. But I would not lose a single wink of sleep I already don't lose. If Bio Broly never saw a single car again. Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna, it's not it for me. One, I hate OG Broly. Um, and, that, and that's probably propagated by the fact that, like, they, when they did the promo where if you went to go watch the re-release of the OG movie in theaters, um, you got, like, that black uh, Broly promo leader. So, yeah. which, which is, like, when we, like, I had just recently gotten to the card game. And, bro, that movie does not hold up. That is an ass movie, dog. So like to take the <laughs> so, <laughs> spells about to destroy the planet. Hey yo, you say new planet Vegeta? Oh, we're gone. Bruh, Get on the ship, bro. And and then like, and then you got like soft boy Broly who looks like he gets cucked on the daily, and then turns into Frankenstein Broly. That goes blah, 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 and is basically like that's his personality. To then like. Look to get taken out by the softest punch I've ever seen Goku throw. Like I don't. Uh. <laughs> this man, this man literally goes from father, I don't like meatballs in my spaghettios to <laughs> to like, like I will rip out your esophagus through your anus. Like and you're just like how? Oh, how? And even and even his story, man. Like his story, like but he was traumatized. By Goku crying. I'm like, how? You remember? How, how does he remember this dude's face? Like, you cannot tell me a baby crying caused this man to have some unsatiable grudge. He's 30 something. He is almost 40. How is this happening? And then, like, it just made, like, King Vegeta look so petty, too. Like, this baby's strong as fuck. All right, guys. Y'all know what to do. Heading in the nursery, stab his ass. Like, what? Like, excuse me. Yo, talk about fumbling the bag. He could have trained Broly in secret, and Broly would have pieced up Frieza. No diff. But instead, he stabs a fucking baby. <laughs> and then it gets his entire planet waxed. Oh, that's so awful. It's so bad. I mean, if anything, it made me appreciate regular like super broly so much more i i think the new rendition is just so much better so yeah you know to, to not stray too far away from the question uh <laughs> hard pass on bio broly <laughs> um, uh, avocado bro. <laughs> uh, but uh in terms of an archetype that would need much more attention um, it's kind of tough to say because we are getting a lot of new attention in the starter decks, right? Like, it, first off, they hit two things where they're reboots. And not only is it reboot leaders, but we're getting start, like ultimate decks slash starter decks with them, which means there's just um, a lot of support coming alongside the leader. Sometimes you get like the leader in a couple of cards. Nah, these are like entire decks. So it's a little bit more difficult to kind of like linchpin exactly what archetype needs help the most um i would say you know like if i just have to go off the top of my head it would kind of be cool to see um yellow blue u7 or u6 come back but like the more traditional sense um i thought the combo oriented game style was cool it was annoying to play against but it was solid and i think that that deck is like just on the cusp of being able to make a comeback 
Um, it's in two very strong colors. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess maybe I should pick something that's not just in the color that gets the best combination stuff all the time. <laughs> um, or or even just um, the Janemba archetype, the, uh, the aggro blue Janemba archetype. Um, specifically because, obviously, that entire archetype, like, kind of got folded with the, like, ban list that it kind of just, like, was a sideline casualty. Like, oh, you play for free. Bang! <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, seeing something done with that art, because I... That that deck was legitimately incredibly fun, and playing a blue aggro deck is a ton of fun because you get the extensions of bean and stuff like that. So being able to play that kind of thing in a in the color that you know color manipulation is intended for, that uh, would be cool. So I, I'd say if I had to pick, I'd say like those off the top of my head uh, would be interesting ones uh, to see get some more support. Some archetypes need a leader, so like Bardock's crew needs help but really that's just a new leader and you give him that and he has like incredibly solid in our type cards so i I, i'd say you know if we're trying to just specifically be like which deck if we want to reboot something like bardock because i know we we i don't think we're getting a bardock anytime soon uh if we're talking about deck i think blue yellow traditional u6 maybe add some judge that can be played with the kefla surge uh leader would be really cool as well i am actually really kind of on one of the same things. So it's like, I could say all day a gajillion things that I want to have, you know, support. Uh, I could make a meme joke about U7 go on. But the thing is, at the end of this day, at the end of the day, this is a company and the company wants to, uh, <clears throat> the company wants to make money. Like, that's just, it's just what they do. <laughs> like, you know, it, they're never not going to make or want to make money. So when it comes to archetypes that need things, it's going to happen in due time. It's just a matter of when. Like, you may not like when. Like, I, I live with a guy who loves Metacooler. They've revisited Metacooler twice and made some, like, promos every now and then. Hasn't been busted. But look, sets and sets and sets later, where are we back at again? Metacooler. So... Uh, just because it's not like like Dragon Ball has more IP to go off of than most franchises, but at the same time, we're gonna still recycle things, and there are characters that do sell more than other characters. Like Cooler will forever be seen as a cooler villain, but um, uh, Meta Cooler not so much, but he's still there, and um, so they'll be revisited. So I don't really have necessarily any burning desire to speed one up or. You know, because if if I chances are, if I want to see it back, I've probably played it recently, which means it might be too soon to see it back. Like, yes, we need a Gohan and Piccolo fucking card, like for the love of God. It's not gonna be in the movie, but we're gonna probably get some in the movie. But yeah, there's they're they're gonna revisit stuff. Um, if I had to say which ones I want, I want a Turles deck that actually works. Yeah, make make the green and yellow stuff work together, my guy. I mean, let's just try to stop focusing on flipping people's lives because we've tried flipping your opponent's life. And that was woefully bad. And now we've tried flipping our own lives. And that deck didn't even see tournament play, where at least the other one did. Um, we just need to have a Turles deck that actually feels good. Imagine being a sand leader and still sucking. Like, yeah, imagine <laughs> being a yellow sand leader and still being doo-doo. <laughs> like, that is, that is a crazy and terribly sad world to live in. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's not great. Um... Side anecdote, I mean, if, if we're being for real, for real, uh, if you guys could re if you guys could reboot Crimson Warrior Vegeta, that'd be great. 
Um, all I would really need is for you guys to not make <laughs> his pitch mandatory so that he can neg a card from hand for doing nothing. That'd be great. Thanks, Bandai. <laughs> that, that card can be unerotted right now. And it, that card, dude, I see, look, look, look. I said this on our, uh, I said this on our podcast. The moment I read that card, I was like, this isn't normally how Bandai writes these effects. This is about to get eroded. Like, <laughs> like I said that on our podcast because I was like, it's not even like it was broken. It's just that the way his effect went, it's like it's like Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh, you can't fail to search. In our game, you can fail to search. In Magic, you can fail to search. But if you ever saw a fail to search Yu-Gi-Oh card, you'd be like, that's not written correctly the way this game is. That's the way Vegeta was written. I was like, they've never written an effect that's just like, you can pay a cost or just fuck it. Like, they've never done that. But it so made like, so yeah. much sense with the archetype. Because I mean, because you need a red blue Saiyan in your drop to to ramp. They said that's what the combo step for. <laughs> <laughs> but the combos cost one, so you're oh my. Uh, hey, so, look, you're uh, blue. You're blue. <laughs> it's still zero. Oh my god. Anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, currently push a C. Also known as Getum, also known as <laughs> also, Cedric. I, I forgot that he changed his name to Pusha C. That shit kills me so much. Oh, that's so good. God. So his question being, have you guys stayed true to your playstyles throughout your TCG hobby? Or have other card games caused you to dip into others? Uh, also, would you rather have... Okay, well, that's a side question, so I'll ask that afterwards. Um... Have you stuck to your playstyle across multiple TCGs, Chris? Um, because like you're pretty, you're pr you're pretty aggressive oriented when it comes to Dragon Ball. You tend to pr play some pretty beat down decks. See, it's all right. It's definitely kind of weird because uh, Yu-Gi-Oh doesn't really have too many playstyles. You, it's it's all archetype dependent, and so different decks play differently. But at the same time, it's not like you can just be like, I'm a control player and always play control in Yu-Gi-Oh! Because sometimes that's just not the way the format works. It's like you get to synchros and there was nothing controlly about synchros for the most part. You put mad-ass things on board and you put them into one battle or one, uh, one monster card. So Yu-Gi-Oh! aside, Magic is where I first kind of started feeling like there were types of decks I could play. And control felt too passive. I didn't like it. I didn't like sitting and just like negating and mitigating and controlling their board just to be like, okay, tap for Aetherling. And I'm just going to hopefully hope this connects five times or four times or three times. And that should be game. Like, that's just weird. Uh, also, aggro. I didn't like... Aggro gave me anxiety in Magic too because like it, it really did just feel like Turn one, I'm turning sideways. Turn two, I'm turning sideways. Turn three, everything goes face. <laughs> and if you are not about to die from turn four on, the window of victory is getting closer. Actually, on turn four, it's more like a, a porticus of victory. And then turn five, it is like you had to pencil die from four stories up and land perfectly in this manhole-sized opening. Or victory is out of your grasp. And that just gave me anxiety. Like, you just get to turn three and you're not about to win. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. So I became very quickly a mid-range player. I liked being able to feel comfortable in that game space. I like being able to get under 
control decks, like kill control decks red as they start to stabilize, but also not get completely smoked off of the ground from aggro. And that, for the most part, has carried over into Dragon Ball. My favorite decks of all time, um, like Soul Striker, Green Blue Soul Striker, love that deck. Um, even with Gohan, I've said it a gajillion times, the U7 Gohan, I like sitting in the turns three to five with those decks, with that deck. That is my favorite little part of the game. I'm a mid-range player. However, I do understand that in this game, you were rewarded so much more for swinging than you are for putting your hands up. It's just the way the game is. Ties are always on the attacker's favor. Um, attacking is free. You just turn your cards sideways that you were going to play anyway. Defending is not. You have to pay cards to not die. And then you have to like also advance your game state. So you're splitting your resources into two by advancing your game state and defending, whereas the attacker can just lean into attacking in many cases. So with Gohan, while I like it as a mid-range space, I prefer to have my deck lean more into aggro. Like, it's a tempo. I prefer to lean into aggro, but I can mid-range, than to be like, oh, I'm a mid-range deck, but I have ultra mastery because other colors don't play turn four, five, and six better than red. Spoiler alert, they do. Stop playing. But um, it's just... I would put myself as a mid-range player. It's just this game is a very much so aggressive game. Very rarely, the stars have to align for a deck to feel better on the defense than the offense. True. Um, I think a big part of the reason, which is why I liked multicolor format so much, was because it was one of those formats. Um, but I played Search Crew and you know played like the the, the combo ape and stuff like that, so... <laughs> that that yeah. deck felt incredible on defense, but that's just because it mostly punished aggro. So, but you're you're absolutely right. Um, you are super investized to aggro in this game, which is very thematic to Dragon Ball anyway. So, like, I I don't think I'd want it any other way. But um, but you are very much incentivized to be aggressive in this game, which does make my job a little bit tougher because I have also not really strayed away from the way that I play. Uh, that I like my play style which uh, is combo control tends to always be the thing I lean on. So if we're talking about my past history, uh, in Magic the Gathering, my standard deck was Aetherworks Marvel, in which I played a turn four Ulamog, which is a 10-cost creature that blows up to <laughs> permanence. Uh, in Modern, it's Tron, so that I can play a turn three um, Planeswalker that once again can like destroy your board. Um, in Legacy, I play Storm, in which I can turn one you. <laughs> so uh and yeah. this is real storm you bums not not the <laughs> not the storm you i'll get onto that after our spirit is done <laughs> um hearthstone i played uh exodia mage <laughs> so so um yeah i like my degenerate combo decks and like i i am so i am self-aware enough to know that like these archetypes are stupid right like i'm the guy who you know, jumped into f set four format. And I was like, bro, one, two swap has to be sought. That deck's stupid. Anyways, turn one, I play Bardock, right? Like that's, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, are, we are opposites there. <laughs> I am not blind to the stupidness of the game, but I, it, it is also my favorite part. I like making my opponents hate the game. Like it, it's, it's, it's degenerate. But that's just what I like most, and that has always carried with me in TCG. So yeah, no, my my play style hasn't changed all that much. I, I like being degenerate. Jokes on you! I will always hate myself before I hate the video game. <laughs> Can't stop um, me. 
So what were you saying about um, about Storm? Um, I really do find it hilarious and cute when people take <clears throat> when people take a uh, a card, right? Yeah, and or they take a they take a term and they take it from another card game, and it's and not they that like at all. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't understand what true terror is. Like they're like it's called storm, and you know, like we go with it. Magic players go with it, but we're just like you do realize that like you're actually bound. Like yes, you're you're sliding some of the rules of the game. But you're still kind of bound to the rules of the game. Like, how about an opponent can tripping, playing free cards, and then they just play grape shot, and you just take all your life in like one fucking turn. Like, like it's this is not the same. Like, <laughs> yes, it's there is a lot less interaction than what we're used to from other decks, but there is still interaction. There are still points of interaction and storm. <laughs> Outside of what, like you going first and having a mana leak up, like there aren't interactions to storm. <laughs> like there was just kind of like there were some interactions, but it's not like a gajillion interactions. Like you can just open up your hand and look at your hand, and your opponent can play the first card, and you're like, shit. Like that that is how storm could work back then if you got unlucky. Yeah. It's just uh no, so like MTG Storm that, that honestly. There are games where I could look at my hand. I am first turn player, and I'm like, "That's GG." Good game. You lose. You yeah. win nothing. <laughs> so I will say, Storm was always a weird name for one two swap, in my opinion, just because like I get what they're trying to say, but like also not really. So that that was always weird to me. I'm not gonna lie, for sure. Um. Well, okay. So the reason why this happens, and I've got nothing for love or but love for Mr. Combs. But Mr. Coombs is a magic player, and back during this era, he was the first and foremost person that would dive into these archetypes and deck concepts and put them on Facebook and his YouTube channel for 3XG. And being an old magic player, he would always give them magic names. And it would kind of tick me off because people would be going around talking about, well, that's just what Storm does. I'm like, you don't know what Storm does. Like there was a there was a couple. There was a couple of uh, decks, like he called like one deck like the Jund of this game and stuff like that. And it's just like essentially Matt would always give magic names to these decks. And I could see where some of the concepts were, but it's just it was like a rough translation. Like it's not quite what was going on there. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, I do it sometimes just because I like being that guy who maybe like coins a name for a deck. So I tried to make Helku Miracles. Because, like, I mean, it's effectively miracles, but uh, that never stuck. Which, like, I get it. People like to name Goku decks by just whatever coup. So not, there was no way I was winning that one. Hey, but... look. Um, <laughs> I mean, Helku. See, I'm kind of upset because, like, you say you say Helku miracles. Because he's always scrying, I, in my videos, called him Topku. And everybody was like, ooh, yeah. hell in the name. Hell in the name is cool. Hell is cool. Hell cool. Herder, if that was you, I'm so sorry. But Topku, <laughs> I think, is way more apt because uh, there's a card called Sensei's Divining Top in Magic. Yeah, where I, I'm you literally okay just yeah, you just like tap it and you look at your top three, like, and you rearrange them. It's that's literally what it is, and you can like the rest of it doesn't matter. The point is that leader and his unison and his cards, they did that all the time. So I thought Topku was like a perfect name for it, but it just didn't stick because Hell sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, Android 18 is literally brainstorm. So like, yeah, um, 
um but hey drip coup is sticking i've seen it more and more it's true it's true <laughs> like it was already a meme with the supreme thing but i was like look we're never gonna get supreme drip coup in the game <laughs> but this guy's wearing the yadrat like fit like this is drip coup so when i see people in comments or like on facebook posting about drip coup i'm like yes this is my moment <laughs> yeah, yeah it feels good i mean I don't, my one thing against like top coup was because it would be like i wouldn't help myself and be like, so who's bottom? <laughs> who's bottom coup? But <laughs> you know, <laughs> top coup, top stays, stays uh, And of course, uh, Cedric always has an additional question. Uh, would you rather have the power to pause time or rewind it, or super Ooh. speed or super strength? Okay. Um, uh, rewind time? I mean, isn't rewinding time basically pausing time? Because you can just rewind as many times until you get the outcome you want anyways that you would have had by stopping time. Okay, um, I'm going to put it out there. As a person with extreme anxiety and a just a freaking just chronic overthinker, I have to avoid rewind time or pause time. There will be moments where I think that like, <laughs> things are about to happen and i'd pause and i'd just be dreading things happening like this might happen on accident i may pause time in in response to seeing something about to happen that i don't want to happen like we need to talk chris would be stuck oh my god 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 giving you you this power would just get you stuck in time infinitely because you, you would just be stuck in a loop <laughs> for real i would be pausing straight up off of anxiety alone rewinding would almost be the same like i try something and maybe like like maybe you were never gonna nail that interview maybe you were never gonna win that match maybe your opponent was broken maybe you were gonna ask out that girl no matter how many times you asked her out in which way she was just already vibing somebody else but a person with overthinking anxiety, you keep rewinding and trying different things. You go crazy. So it would, at this point, have to be super speed or super strength. Um, to be honest, super strength isn't as cool as I think most people think it is. Yeah. Because, like, what are we doing? Like, we're, we're, in a, we're in an age where a farmer is going to make X amount of money, but a dude sitting down working on a cloud service is going to make six figures. Being super strong doesn't necessarily do anything for you, except potentially have you end up in some government black site because they saw you lift a car off of a kid and then they were just like, we need to figure out why. And then well, you just disappear. But like, <laughs> but like even then, it doesn't even prevent you from like getting shot. So even as a combat tool is not even that good. Facts. Now, super speed though, man. Sheesh. Now, super <laughs> speed. Yes. Like if you get caught, lacking you could end up in the same black site but one they do got to catch you first two i think in applications it could just be so much better and it also depends on like how fast like how fast are we are we flash fast are we are we quicksilver fast because there are two different speeds like i would love to be super fast because sometimes i'd be waking up late am i going to run faster than my car actually what's my gas tank like am i going to be able to run my 40 minute drive to work in 15 20 minutes because if that's the case, I'm gone. But at the same time, we need to see how... The, like, I'm a comic nerd. We need to see how these powers pan out. Because my super speed means nothing if randomly some girl is making a TikTok in her car on the way to work. And I get caught in her TikTok. And she pauses and be like, yo, that's a black dude running at mock speed. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm stepping out of my house to go to work. And I get shot in the neck with a tranquilizer. And bam, black sight. 
hooked up, like <laughs> running the treadmill for the rest of my life. So, like, yeah, like I need to know the ramifications of these powers. Like, the I get more and more skeptical. At first, it's like I'd be a hero, and then like the more comics and shows you watch, the more you're like, they try to mass produce me. They try to figure <laughs> out if somebody made me. They, they, I might be a product of some experiment that escaped and then like procreated. Like there are so many ramifications I don't need in my life <laughs> from having superpowers. Mood. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think like, like the thing is with like going back in time is that like, I agree with you. I think it doesn't actually help all that much in situations where, um, where, where like, the outcome was kind of predetermined anyways. Um, and even then, like I'm the type of person who would, who like commits to his decisions regardless, uh, even if they weren't like the perfect ones at the time. So like the, the only real utility and like, cause that's the one that's like, I guess most interesting. Um, but the only utility that I would really see would be one, I guess I'd be rich. Cause I could just been like, all right, yeah. GameStop November, 2020, let's do it. Um, so that, or I get to like relive my life as many times as I want, I guess. So depending on how far back in time I could go, but even then that's like, okay, I guess I could go for new game plus. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I agree. I think super speed is kind of the pick here. Um, like th there's just so many applications of it that like expand beyond just kind of like your typical stereotypical superhero usage. So that'd probably be the one to just go to. Um, and like, look, things don't tap out. Like I could just like not flex my max speed, go 1% and then be like the highest scoring NFL player in the history of the game. You know, like it's fine. <laughs> but you're not wrong there. It's just that like, I also feel like high key, like just think about all those times where like your competitive spirit gets you into trouble. Like that one time where you're like, oh yeah, I'm using like additional speed. But then you get some dude who has like the speed of like of Odell Beckham Jr. but hits like Earl Thomas and this 280 pound dude is about to flatten you. And for that split second, you don't think, oh, I'm using 2% of my speed. You think, ah, shit, I'm not getting hit by that. And all of a sudden, what you get on like the NFL national television is a moment where you were in front of this dude. You literally blurred juke him. <laughs> this dude flew through air. And then for a split second, you were like just completely halfway down the field before you just, oh, yeah, normal trot. And that would be on every single news outlet. And then once again, once again, you were in your bathtub, the lights go out, you get tased, black sight. And it all leads to government experimentation, bro. You don't want those problems. True, true. Like, you, you guys, has anybody ever been arrested listening to this podcast? That's cool and all, but what if, like, SWAT swarms your house? Like, there's, like, tear gas and, like, fucking tasers. Like, I'm just not here for it. Uh, he God. could be dangerous. No, I'm naked in a bathtub. <laughs> he is armed. He is a bio weapon, sir. I just want to relax. My favorite <laughs> show, Moon Knight episode six is tonight. Can you arrest me in two hours? Get on the floor. Oh, <laughs> like, nah, we're not about it. <laughs> oh, God. All right, all right. So those are the questions that we missed out on last week. Now we've finally gotten down here to the questions requested this week. And of course, Cedric, it keeps on going. 
Wait. Um, yeah. If I had the power to rewind time, I could rewind time to avoid being arrested. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, Any not, power yeah. that leads to me not being in a black site, maybe Gucci. Yeah, but you, you, we just been over this. You would get yourself stuck in an infinite loop. Have I not instilled the proper fear of being on a government black site? <laughs> 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 Continue with the question. So, See, this is why I can't rewind time, guys. Anxiety, anxiety. <laughs> Overthinking and mad anxiety. You've seen it in action. Uh, and then Gedim's last question. Would you and Chris consider doing a tier list of leaders? That'd be so dope. The sparks that would fly. <laughs> actually, to be fair, until we get to our meme leaders, um, I think George and I would actually have very reasonable choices and we'd agree on most of the things there. It's not until uh, I start calling Invoker and Janimba toxic pieces of trash and he starts calling Gohan tier D that we start <laughs> like actually butting head. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think for like 90% of it, we'd be fine. And then there's like our favorite decks in which we'll be skewed certain ways and like, he doesn't like my SS4 pick, I don't like his Gohan pick, and that'll go places. Uh, and then it'll just be an argument between whether we think something's, like, C-tier and F-tier, so... Actually, crazy, because, I that, like, Super Saiyan 4, Bardock, can't beat half the decks in this current meta. But Gohan can throw hands with That's any it. deck in this current meta. It's kind of crazy. It's also kind of crazy that SS4 Bardock has more tops. Does it, though? It does. I mean, I'm sorry that more people decided to... Actually, I don't <laughs> think more people decided to play it. But um, I just... I think it's much easier to build SS4 Bardock than it is. Well, yeah, bro. 95% of the deck is pre-built. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of user error. Uh, I've been looking at a lot of lists. Lots of people do come f to me for lists. And, like, it's just... It's honestly wild. Like, maybe deck building seminar should happen. I know I'm not the best deck builder, but I feel like sometimes common sense overrules. Like, you have cards that recycle normals and cards that search normals. And then you have challengers that are finite. So when I see your list, and this is not technically calling anybody out, I just want to like, let you know. When I see your list playing eight to like nine or ten vanillas, but like six challengers, I don't what? Like one of these is a renewable resource and one of these is not. But they both require each other in tandem. So I need to see the logic. Um, when you're playing a red deck that has 50 cards in it, that doesn't mill itself. You effectively put two to three, maybe four cards in a pile per turn, if that, if you don't get negated or floodgated. Why are we running two copies of Ultra Mastery? Like, literally, I need to know the games where playing Ultra Mastery saved you when you couldn't have just windmilled a Vegeta or just play two Divine Presences or anything. It's just the deck building blows my mind like i feel like anybody just looks at red u7 cars and they're like this goes in gohan and i'm just like it doesn't why is frieza in there that literally says red goku only Read <laughs> these cards. like i just need people to do things why are you playing rebel reinforcements in a format where broly crown of retribution is literally running people's pockets like i see you playing three broly crown of retribution yeah it's good so why are you playing rebel reinforcements I saw a deck list online that top to turn. No, 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 no. Like, I need you to understand why are you playing a card that actively gets mized by a card that you adore? 
it's clearly never going to happen to me. Oh my God, stop talking. (laughs) Stop stop talking. (laughs) Ah, it burns me up. So I think, uh, I think certain decks do have, like, there was a, have you seen the Facebook comments? There was actually a lot of comments for people asking about that deck yesterday. Mm. And I was just kind of putting stuff out there. Oh, bro, I I saw you. I saw you. It was, (laughs) well, I mean, I was writing paragraphs, but a lot of people just don't understand. I'm like, yo, like, Goku is an easier deck to play. But there was certain people in the comments being like, well, Gohan is a much better deck. It just requires a brainstem. And I just had to, like, put it out there. I'm like, I love this deck. Don't get me wrong. But combo decks are combo decks. You come from Magic. You come from any game that has specific combo decks. You need to draw your pieces, and you need to be able to play them in correct sequence. U7 Goku mills, and then none of its cards are combo cards. Everything is a standalone power play. You are tapping one energy for a Frieza. One energy for a 17, one energy for a counterplay Goku, three energy for a Jiren, four energy for an SCR or an Ultra Mastery. Nothing has to be drawn in sequence. You have your power plays or you don't. Whereas Gohan, you have A, B, and Cs. You have your you have your vanillas, you have your vanilla triggers on top of that, being the one drops, as well as the uh, challengers. You have the cards you want to draw into. And if you draw them out of sequence, the deck folds on itself. So, yes, it may take more brain power to play a Gohan deck than a U7 Goku deck, but you are opening yourself up to just the deck not helping you. And so there's no wonder why U7 Goku is having more success than U7 Gohan ever did. And uh, to the people just saying that, oh, it's a matter of brain power, I don't know, man. Like, I, I have personally seen certain lists that just say the brain power is left on the table before you even step in the tournament. I just, I... It's wild. It's wild. The debate has been crazy. And rest in peace, Vegeta, because you're just actually the third best leader out of the three. <laughs> well, you're the you're probably the best leader out of the three. You were the third best U seven deck out of yeah. the three. Yeah, that I agree with. That I agree with. Um and I I think there's some foundational as so I think that's like the one of the big strengths coming from other card games is the fact that you create those foundational strengths um that are transferable to other card games. So like if you played Yu-Gi-Oh!, if you played Magic, if you played whatever. Um, Hearthstone, even to be honest, um, you start understanding the notions of what a deck is trying to do, and um, kind of piece it together in a coherent way. So, like, uh, you guys, like anyone who's watched any of my streams knows that, like, I build the deck usually half an hour before that tournament, and oftentimes <laughs> they're decks I've never even played before. Um, but my builds always end up doing decently well to a point where I either go X one or undefeated when it comes to the locals I do on a week by week basis. Um, and like, why is that? Well, it's just because I have, you know, foundational understanding of, okay, this deck looks like it's trying to do this. So I need this, this, and this, and you kind of get a good notion of like what your curve looks like. And, uh, you know, if it is a combo deck, what, what are you looking for and how do we maximize being able to find those things and play those things? So, um, I will say that that is one of those things where getting other TCG experience can definitely strengthen your ability to play this game because you get a better understanding of foundationally, you know, what, combo what control what aggro what mid-range etc is trying to do and how those come together oh boy all righty moving on to the next question so uh j- just to actually answer your question we probably will end up doing a tier list at some point <laughs> uh it, it it would shock me if we never got around to it so uh you. you volunteered me look at you look at you look at you guys did <laughs> all right i'm down i'm down now i'm all secretly down right. all right all right uh torax asks what cards do you think can come off the ban slash errata list 
Hashtag, hashtag free Bardock. Um, wait, which like like one drop like, Bardock? Like one drop Bardock, <laughs> bro. Look, one drop Bardock. <laughs> nah, I'm serious. It's actually really funny. One drop, like in this particular format, one drop Bardock is probably just really dangerous. Like not not as a single card, but like in tandem with how the play works, you don't just use a single Bardock swapping the Yoten. The whole point of the deck was to go multiple rounds deep into that cycle. And at this game, like you, at this point of the game, you open yourself up to stuff that you, if you've noticed, most people right now aren't necessarily racing to take their lives. If your leader awakens at a high life total, you're fine awakening at a high life total and just holding your super combos until they're usable or playing a different super combo to capitalize on that. If you were to use a Bardock the way that Bardock used to be used, a U7 Goku player could just dome you at a much earlier turn than they're used to because they're just playing one drops that like start swinging at your leader for like 19k and all those cards that you picked up on turn one and two have to start falling out of your hand to stop your now four life from getting swung on. And then they just cap you out at turn four with Vegeta or Ultra Mastery. Like, Gogeta Zeno, like the moment you play Bardock once, you're just like, are you going to do it again? And you play it twice and Gogeta Zeno is like this, dumb bitch. Like, you literally will get folded <laughs> for recycling Bardock within the first two turns of the game. So, like, some of these could probably come back and just let Darwinism sort its way through the player base. I feel like. Yeah, for sure. I think I do think there are some cards that like aren't as big of a deal now that could be revisited. I mean, we've never had a card come off the ban list, have we? Nope. Yeah, so like at the moment it's kind of just been permanent. I mean, like first off, like it's very easy first no goes. Like, I've had a couple of people be like, yo, minus Killie's only needs to come back. Bro, you don't know, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So, like, not to be rude, <laughs> but, like, if you are one of those people, that's cap. <laughs> it, I mean... First off, it's a black card that sends three specific cards from drop to warp, so I hope you like getting Gogeta'd. Second of all, it draws a card, and then it prevents counterplays. Like... You are <laughs> that is so unhealthy. And <laughs> and words that you may also understand or resonate with more. Anytime you complain about this shit is stupid. I can't even react. This is uninteractable. Minus Killy Zone is the spirit on of uninteractivity. Like minus Killy Zone actually just comes down the board and goes, Your opponent can't do shit to your shit during your turn. All these things where you're like, wow, that card is amazing. It's a good thing I can tap it. It's a good thing I can God sealing it. Minus Killy Zone just goes, nope, this card's straight broken now. Like, bow down. I am your God. No, they just, yeah, no. Uh, minus Killy Zone can't come back. I'm going down the list right now. Cell Perfection Surpassed. I really do think that Cell Surge could still be in the game because uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to front. Props out to Jordan. But Cell Surge being hit wasn't a deck nerf. It was a player nerf because Jordan was the only person I felt like who was piling that deck at maximum efficiency. No offense to anybody who is like good with the deck, but like there are people who are like, oh, Icarus always is able to outpace, you know, Cell Surge. They just draw too much. And Jordan's like, do they though? And he just ran through Icarus after Icarus at Nats. Like, I feel like it, there's such a high skill cap for Cell Surge. It's not just ripping your hands because sometimes people are just. They're just not playing it right. So that's weird. Um, Unrelenting Assault Trunks probably could come back. It's just that Gogeta Zeno needs to be nerfed in different ways. I've already explained in my video how I think that 
Gogeta thwarting SS3 needs to read your opponent's energy to have two or more, or it needs to cost two energy. Either way, you need to not be able to play. Um, you need to, if it costs two energy, you literally cannot play SSG Trunks. Actually, cost two energy or has to read your opponent's energy at two. You can't play SSG Trunks and thwarting in the same turn two span. And that already moves the kill turn back a turn. And that's going to mess with what they can do, how they can keep up defense, what they can put down. And that's going to allow you to have a different breathing space. So I don't think Unrelenting Assault Trunks was necessarily the card to ban. I think that was the card they banned because they were trying to keep Gogeta Zeno in the format. Um, Foo, yeah, Dark Knight Foo needs to stay, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> that card is cancerous, and he literally prevents an entire part of the game from existing. <laughs> so, Yeah. Um, uh, Janemba, um, I think, like, I was making jokes of it earlier, but I do think that Janemba was probably the most fair out of um all the free play stuff that got hit um it's very combo oriented it's very interactable um it actually has a cost in the sense that you need to have a battle card on board to swap with it first um and then even then like it was good but it that's where it stopped unless you ran like another like 12 piece combo into your deck to extend it even further so like i think Geneva could come back if like I'm talking about like the most like yeah this card's probably fine and not a big deal, um, if I want to see the world burn, uh, like I tend to, <laughs> um, I want to like first off like we could Unarada Zamasu the Eliminator, um, I'm also for Unaradering, uh, mind controlling Bobbity, uh. <laughs> I mean, if you tap six against me in red, go go ahead. Like, you nah, deserve Brack, we we taking back chain attack, dog. Uh, if you play chain attack and thing is getting off in this format, you deserve <laughs> well, it's pretty gross because you can go so you can go into a turn two chain attack into mind controlling Bobbity into two red green uh Kyoken Gokus that rip out every card in your hand and then swing for a dual triple. Hey, look, sometimes we high roll. If Gogeta Zeno can sit here being high roll.exe, then, like, really, uh, can we complain? But yeah, I'd say those would be my biggest picks. Otherwise, I think for what it's worth, and like, I'll give a lot of credit to Bandai, um, as much as I'm not a fan of the limit list in general, like, Cell could come back. I think that'd be fine. That'd be whatever. Um, uh, well, I'm going to rush good too, to be honest. Yeah. That was so like don't get me wrong like i'm not the biggest fan of limits but in general i do think they do a good job with the ban list i don't they're not ban happy they almost never use the ban list as a way to shape the meta so like they don't go that konami route which is great um and in general the predator was the closest way yeah well the printing was like one of his closest ways and like both whatever that card existing at all was kind of just like a big what the hell but um, in general, they've done a really good job of really only utilizing the ban list to fix broken stuff, which I, I appreciate greatly. So. I dig it. Um, what else do they do? I'm trying to think about this. See, I'm scared to keep talking about this because now that you've asked this question, it sounds like a really good video idea. We yeah. should like just like break it down. All right. I'm calling it right here. Where this, is, this is the Aspira UniX planning stream right here. Like We should have the ban list on one of our channels and then the forbid uh, the uh the limited list or the errata list yeah no not the errata list because most of the erratas kind of make sense maybe we put the limits and semi-limit or we put the limits on one of our channels and the bans on the other channel 
That is well, one is a shorter video. We got to figure it out. That's spicy. I figured. I mean, there's like, like when it comes to erratas, there's only like two, three, I would mention. So, but for, for the most part, yeah. So yeah, I dig it. I think that's a cool video. All right. You heard it here. I don't know when it's dropping guys, but look forward to it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to Derpy's question, mainly a question for Chris. Uh-oh. I, I guess two, one, when you came back into the game, how did you come back in terms of buying product? I'm taking a brief hiatus for the game, but we'll be back pretty soon. So just wanted thoughts on that. And then two, how do you feel about Sora having normal feet in Kingdom Hearts 4? How does he know I like Kingdom Hearts? Or, or Sora's feet. Well, I mean, it's not Sora's <laughs> feet. You don't have to like Sora's feet. You just have to be a Kingdom Hearts fan and you automatically know about Sora's feet. But I'm just, I'm trying to remember if I've ever mentioned it. I probably mentioned it on my channel, but I don't yeah. think I've mentioned it. I've never heard. I've never heard you talk, talk about Kingdom Hearts. That's strange. Who are you? Show yourself. <laughs> Reveal yourself. <laughs> um, well, anywho, no, seriously, what's the screen name? Um, no, but um, no, for real. Uh, when I came back into the game, the first thing I did was I sat and I just kind of watched the format. Um, I came back right before Vermilion Bloodlines dropped. And I kind of took a look at the format and didn't really jump on set 10. I waited until all the spoilers were out for set 12 because generally they're always going, like, they're going to make these self contained decks, you know? And these decks can use staples from previous sets. But for the most part, the way Bandai's designed their decks is, for better or worse, kind of cookie cutter. So. I watched the format, and watching the cards, I already decided that I wanted to play Dark Broly. It does something unique. It makes uh, it makes 30k bodies. Um, it was a little clunky back then, but it didn't use unisons, really. And that made it so that my entry level to the game was a little cheaper. I didn't have to get unisons. I didn't have to get the free counterplays. I just had to essentially buy a crap ton of Vermilion Bloodline. And not even really a crap ton because most of the deck was like rares and there was just a single like SR. So if you're trying to come back into the game, I think that's where you need to go. Like where when you know you're got to start playing again, start looking to see where we are at the card game. Are we in the middle of a set? Is a new set about to come out? Because if a new set's about to come out, you probably do save a lot of money by just waiting until you know what you want to play. Like imagine if you were in the same position but Realm of the Gods wasn't out yet, right? You could literally sit and uh, you could literally sit here, see that you want to play UI Goku, and just know that, okay, uh, I'm going to test with it online. I'm going to test with it on tap. I need Jiren's. Oh, I need Videl's. And you just, at that point, you would have made a quick, what, three Jiren's non foil, anywhere from nine to $15 purchase. The Videl's. At that point, we're still kind of in a weird space. So about five, anywhere from five to like 10 per max. So you'd be able to make like a 30, maybe $40 investment, depending on when you found that. And then you'd just be able to go to your pre-release, buy a couple boxes. Like you'd be able to buy singles for a deck. And so I think that's uh, kind of where it is. It can be overwhelming to start just trying to like scramble to get as many cards as possible. Pick something that you think is strong that you've tested with that has caught your eye and then just build it. And once you build it, just start trying to play where you can your online events, your locals, and you'll get more cards. You'll win more packs. You'll win more prizing. 
and you'll be able to start flipping those if you're into the whole like you know obtain sell culture of tcgs and you'll make it from there i think just the the key part of it is to not get overwhelmed by trying to spread yourself too thin pick a focus stick to the focus um and buy singles yes <laughs> that too go to your pre-release and then just buy singles from there because sometimes pre-release pre-release is fun and sometimes those like gold stamps just sell for like stupid Yu-Gi-Oh prices the first weekend yeah um but when you're looking at the other thing what do i feel about Sora's feet um we'll keep this one short because i try not to be too not dbs oriented when we're on these things um it doesn't really phase me i really really like the art style that they showed in that trailer but uh nomura has already gone on record and said that that is not the scheme of the entire game that's the world that he's currently in you're still in the world that you face yasora in spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't beat yasora after the game's been out for like over two years um point being though the the place that you fight like yasora and it's like quadrum or whatever you're still in that world in that trailer so the hyper-realistic look of that game is just an effect of you being in that world as Sora normally has when he goes. He specifically said he showed Donald and Goofy at the end of the trailer to show you that that cartoonish style still exists, just in a higher definition and better clarity. So um, I'm not really worried. The It looks really cool. I definitely would have liked an entire game in that style, but I'm a Kingdom Hearts fan to, like, the death of me. So I'm really just fine whichever it comes like I'm already over the fact that Kingdom Hearts 3 was not the resolution of an era it was a segue into a new era I thought that was kind of scummy because we've been waiting 15 years for the resolution of all the plot lines that we've had and instead we just got essentially an elongated trailer for whatever games he's <laughs> to make next yeah and this is this is coming from a person who has played every single game who's platinum every game on the PlayStation who literally had a glass shelf of those play arts figures, that stuff was over $3,000 when you tally it up on eBay. You can't find half those things anymore. I'm a Kingdom Hearts fanatic, and I straight up will tell you that, like, Kingdom Hearts 3 was a slap in the face to the fans. I still played it, but it was a slap in the face. Um, So, it really be what it is. I'm just here for the ride now. It's one of those things where I know why I play it, and it's not for the content anymore. It's because I've it's just been most of my life. Yeah, that's where I did. All right, fair. Um, we'll take one more, and then I'll say we'll save the other questions for next week because this has been a lot of questions. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, Bacon Boy asks us: Do you guys think the future of this game will be online or in person? Um, more clarification. I should really say what will come more often. Um, I do think as the pandemic, uh. I mean, whatever happens with it, it, we're on like wave six and it comes back and whatever. I'm not here to say anything about that. But in, in a normal situation world, post-pandemic, um, I do believe we will still be a hybrid model because I think both tournament organizers as well as players um, have voiced how much they love the online platform as a low barrier way to play the game. Uh, I do think that the game will return to be a primarily in-person played game and we will see the trend of more in-person tournaments than online tournaments uh, being the norm moving forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our current structure is, is a product of us being in a pandemic, but um, you have to understand that online and in person are actually fairly divisive. 
um, online play caters to a more casual player base. Um, 100%. And I'm not saying like, oh, you're not competitive if you play online. But when it comes to the TCG kind of lifestyle, and I do say it's a lifestyle because it really is, traveling is a part of that lifestyle. It's it's the getting on the planes. It's the taking the buses with your homies. It's the car rides with your homies. It's the visiting new food places when you're out. It's the practicing for the event in the hotel the night before to then stay up ungodly hours to then get up off of five hours of sleep for a tournament. Like this is part of the TCG lifestyle and it is part of the allure. It's why lots of people, even though online events technically are hassle free, uh, they're giving you a lot of bang for your buck. Like I can't even lie. $40 to enter an event, have a chance to win mad prizes. You can flip your invite, staying in the comfort of your home and getting entry. That's an infinite plus compared to finding travel, finding housing, going to these places, taking the time off that you may need to because you might leave on a Friday if the tournament is on a Saturday, things like that. It's an infinite plus to play online. It's just that as a TCG player, the journey is literally a whole bunch of what makes the ride so fun. So I do think that like the people that are sunk into this lifestyle, they do want the online or they want the online presence to kind of die down a little bit because right now they do kind of feel like it's taking over. That's the voice that you kind of hear on the forums a lot. You were getting all these online events and things like that. Now, in a kind of more edgy part of it, I do think that online tournaments, until online tournaments are best two out of three, and even then because of the things that can only happen on the online tournament, to a degree, some of the integrity of the game and its competitive scene does get a little like resmerged. Like you can't like you can cheat in person, you can cheat online, but it's way easier to cheat online. It's also way easier to get caught cheating online because most people are recording or some people stream. But it's kind of a weird thing. I think in the future, the game, like Asperia said, is going to be back to a hybrid schedule. But it's more of the balance because I think that by far it is much easier to find somebody who is going to moderate a Discord tournament. It's much easier to mail out prizing and have that happen. It's much easier to do a online tournament than it is to find a TO, find a venue, pay everybody the correct ways, organize it, give people enough time. Like, just look at what happened the past week. I am 100% sure that Bandai let us know as soon as they could, as soon as the ink dried on everything, they let us know when this tournament could be held. We're not happy. And by we, I mean most of the people in the discussion group. They're not happy because they're like, there was a month's notice. They didn't just have this swirling around on the desk and wait a month to tell us this is they're not going to let us know things until they can so it's kind of a weird position to be in it is 100 easier for them to do an online event than an in-person event but the in-person events is what gets people going nine times out of ten so i think we're in for a very elongated kind of testing ground of just trying to see what that new balance looks like after there is not a specific need for online tournament because we have to find that difference between what's affordable what's you know easy what's doable for the company that's making our game versus what is going to make the people happy and generally those are not the same thing so 
to be honest, I don't have a flat-out answer for that. It's probably going to be highs and lows until they figure out the perfect balance, if there is a perfect balance, because uh, like any TCG community, Dragon Ball Super card game players complain all the time. They don't stop. Ever. Never. They get what they want, and they still complain until they don't get what they want, Then they say that they were right all the whole time. <laughs> like, I've never seen it. Give us this! We get it. Not like this! They take it away. You never give us this! Like, it is absolutely <laughs> insane. Uh, 100%. It's just, it, it, if it's not one thing, it's another. Um, but uh, the only thing I'll add on to what Chris was saying was that, while I do think the hybrid model is the way of the future, just because... I know they're like I know this game would lose a player base if they completely got rid of online game online tournaments, um, but I do think that IRL should be incentivized. Like, here's the thing: if I'm spending money, and like I 100% agree with Chris, um, the experience is getting ready for a tournament to go IRL. When I used to play uh, Magic the Gathering IRL, um, I would spend like over a month playtesting, you know, dozens of games a day for the Pro Tour that was coming in Montreal. Or not the Pro Tour, the Grand Prix that was coming in Montreal, which was like a 2,000-player tournament. So, like, that, like, I don't do that with online. Like, y'all know, I'm the, I'm the guy who doesn't test. Like, that's just, and that's just because the nature of the online platform just kind of really doesn't really incentivize it because there's no stakes for me. I spend 40 bucks, I plus anyways because of my entry pricing. And, like, if I flop, I flop, whatever. Um, but when you account for uh, driving, food, hotel, um which like hotel even then it's sometimes you might be like sharing like two beds between like seven dudes <laughs> the, the way so, true. so like um i do think that something to consider is to better incentivize the irl tournaments um respect the fact that players are traveling for these events versus and paying for stay and hotel and food and all that versus being able to play at home so i do think that pricing should be scaled a little bit more in the IRL aspect, um, especially since the pricing does need to be shipped. It just, here's the player and the players worry about it. Um, I, I do think that that should be a consideration when we're looking at what improvements we can make to a hybrid model that will most likely be the reality of our card game uh, moving in the future. I don't want to be mean to anybody that like regularly grinds online events. Like you are good. You've earned your wins. You've earned your dubs, but like, it's just, it's not just like, oh, an American thing. It's literally if you get a top with a best of one five round event, it just doesn't hold the same weight as somebody that got a top on a best of three eight round in person event. Chances are the event was larger. Um, there's a lot of variance that is involved with best of one. Like, like I said, I'm not taking away from your wins, but how many of those wins could have potentially be a loss in game three? And on the reverse side, there's maybe a person who tested very, very often, but then they just got bad game ones most of the tournament. You take two or three losses, you fall into the road bracket, you start facing stuff you didn't practice for because you had no reason to. Like, you can't assume somebody's coming in with Agents of Destruction. Like, you don't just sit there and test for Agents of Destruction. It's there or it's not there. Like, it's like, there's a lot of stuff that kind of goes into these and it kind of starts feeling weird. Like we're about to get to a competitive nationals where more invites have been given out via online tournaments than in-person tournaments. And that's that feels a little bad, in my opinion. 
plus you have like kind of skews of like and granted content creators can kind of sort this out a little bit but you kind of have this like word of mouth skew like you have a person that played like ding dong dingus turbo and it just happened to green light its way through five rounds on the online tournament and they're just like xo undefeated finish regional winner but this deck is eights it just had a good run for five rounds in a best of one tournament like we it could have won the die roll five times in a row and just opened up broken and it's kind of like a weird space because a, a good testing ground i think needs to be a best of three with sides i think that's just like the best way to gain data on what is viable what is not and these best of one online regionals, they don't allow that to happen. You could have a matchup based landslide of that, like just, just, oh, I played X deck and nobody's ready for this weird, you can't target my leader or my battle cards interaction that nobody would ever see. But I found out how to do it eight times out of 10 on turn two. And so I just sweep the tournament. And the moment people side in cards, they're like, well, I'm going to Kyle Kin that shit. And uh, do you have any other plays? Nope, that was pretty much it. All right, cool. Scoop it up then. Oh, like, it's just a weird space to me. Yeah. Um, but it's fine. I mean, like, like we've said before, it's, it's one of those situations where you kind of have to effectively take best of one Dragon Ball, like its own game, its own format, its own correlating. The two are only as respectful to both as there's some tangential crossover in terms of what decks can do well there and they use the same card pool um but otherwise Whoa. just treat the game as like different formats and um to that end you get a lot of especially like whenever they do decide to like implement best of one pre-side um mm -hmm. not that not not that that doesn't you know naturally you're still gonna have those like what if you mess up game one or not mess up but like what if you just low roll game one which would have been corrected in a game two game three situation that'll still naturally always be there um right. So uh, it doesn't like fix it in its own way, shape or form. It's just there are multiple ways to play. And um, to that end, they have their own pros and cons. So see, you have such a good balanced take. And my only question is for this to be true, like, could we please have the best of one warriors? Stop acting like they won best of three full <laughs> round events. Like, this is the craziest thing. Like, you literally, like, again, it's, like, you just don't want to take away anything from anybody. And so it's not even, that's not even the point. But it's just, like, you have people, again, doing, like, like we had nationals last year that were five rounds of best of one. And then it cut to top cut. What is that? <laughs> literally, like, I, I'm not, I'm, I, I know it sounds like a American problem. But, like, what is that? Like, we had, like, a, what, eight or nine round event, best of three, that went into a top 16 cut. That was still best of three. Yeah. And then only two people went to worlds. And then meanwhile, you literally have people who could get like X1, X2, and end up in like top four after Swiss. I'm just like, X2, top what? <laughs> like, hey. I mean, like, I'm about to start putting on a fake mustache and traveling to like places. <laughs> like, bro, I don't know, man. I'm getting dual citizenship for Australia. <laughs> <laughs> We are going to Worlds no matter what next year. <laughs> no matter what. At any cost. I'm Mr. Worldwide. Fuck Pitbull. Uh, All right, guys. Thank you very much for the questions. Uh, of course, there's a couple I didn't get to. I did not forget you guys. We will continue those 
uh, on next week's episode. And of course, if you want your questions answered on air, then feel free to tweet at me at TV with the hashtag SCMailbag or to post it in the Discord in the SCMailbag category section. I don't know what to call it anymore. Um, <laughs> and we'll get to your question on air. So before we sign off, Chris, what do you got for the people this week? Well, um, the first thing I have is a disclaimer. I have no hate for any foreign players. It's just sometimes, like, it is crazy how different the tournaments can be for the same level of play in terms of structure, length, and not difficulty in terms of players, but difficulty in terms of the time you spent getting taxed mentally to play the game. And that's just weird. Um, But everybody who has topped has earned their tops, and I respect that. Uh, When it comes to content this week, um, tomorrow I will be getting out a video about the current Piccolo spoilers. And I'm assuming that two to three days after that, I'll be getting out another spoiler video when all the cards for the archetype are released. So this week, at the very minimum, you can expect three more Piccolo videos. Uh, A spoiler tomorrow, a spoiler in two to three days, and then a archetype breakdown and demo uh, probably this weekend. Um, I already cracked a whole bunch of premium packs and I uploaded that video yesterday. People in my comment section said they wanted me to make a video on, um, Oath of Z and I'm not gonna hold you. There's about four or five minutes of content that I squeeze out of that card. So I am currently fabricating four more (laughs) minutes of content. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I actually haven't sat down and drafted that video yet, but, um, it's one card and it's not like the card has a gajillion applications. So that's going to be, I need to be creative with it. So that's why it didn't just come out immediately. I refuse to put up a three minute video because YouTube algorithm does not support that. Um, and I'm already making no money as it is on YouTube. I'm not going to sit out and just render a video that takes long. Nah, it's just not happening. Um, so I want to plan that and make it something you guys want to watch, but also make it something I'm proud of. I want to make sure every video I put out, I'm proud of. So we're working on that. Um, you've got the Piccolo spoilers. I work is being a little weird for me. And so my hours are about to start getting like, I'm going to start having more six day in a row shifts than like not or stretches than not. So I want to get on another fight night because people really did show up for the Gohan versus Goku U7 uh, fight night. That thing is my most viewed video in the past month and change. It's like at 2.5 K views right now out of nowhere. So um, I do want to get into another fight night. It's just a matter of finding a time where I am not falling asleep and that two people in my Discord are willing to play. And since uh, I low-key am, like, Mr. Worldwide, sometimes the time zones really don't match up. Like, we might have big notation in the group from England, but some dude from California, and I just need to match up a time where I am able to record both of them playing in my Discord. So I will, as always, try my best to get out to you guys the, uh, the content that you guys like watching. I just need you guys to be patient with me. But that's my schedule so far for the week. More Ultimate Squad stuff. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll sneak in what we can sneak in after that. Right. Very, very nice. On my end, um, same thing. World has Work has been... Yeah. <laughs> for anyone who knows my stream schedule, you guys know that uh, previously it used to be a minimum three times a week type of thing where it would be um, like monday wednesday or tuesday thursday and then weekend tournaments and stuff uh, that's just been really hard to do lately so 
Uh, still planning to potentially get out uh, a couple of streams for Dragon Ball Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, if work provides me the time to do so, it's a bit of a slower week this week, in a sense. So I should be capable of running that. So I'm not going to do that. Um, I will be looking to going back to re-uploading um, my tournament streams on YouTube. So I know a lot of people have been asking me for a long time to start bringing back gameplay videos on the channel. Um, just because they can't catch the live streams, which I totally get. So we'll be doing that. We'll be, uh, we'll be returning the gameplay uh, and putting them on to the channel. So if you guys are looking forward to that and have been missing the gameplay, uh, then we'll be bringing that back to the channel. So keep your eyes out for that. Should be a lot of fun. And that's basically kind of what I've got lined up for this week. Hell yeah. There we go. So with that said, that was the Super Combo Podcast for today, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> And until next time, best of luck with your top decks. Sirs and ma'ams, dudettes, dudes, all them things, in-betweens, non-binaries. Yeah, we're all inclusive here.